Hi, and welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We've provided a collection of sermons, our midweek lessons, music, and many more tools to help you grow in your walk with God. We are living in an unprecedented and challenging time, but we invite you to listen in and be encouraged as we fight through this together. Be sure to subscribe and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Thanks for listening. To just share a little bit now um, with us uh, to kind of set up for Lamisha coming to speak to us. Um, so our theme for this month is um, renewed vision. And um, when I think of renewed vision, you know, I think of um, my glasses. <laughs> um, these are new glasses that I have, and they were very overdue. Um, you know, you know how you you know you go. They're expensive glasses, especially progressives. And so I had went a few years knowing I needed a new prescription and then didn't do it because it was too much money. So, but wow, when I got these, oh my goodness, I was like, I have been missing a whole lot of, a whole lot of stuff. You know, uh, these glasses gave me more details, more clarity. Uh, and I think even over 2020 and even 2021, uh, we've gained some much needed perspective. Um, I think there's a lot that God has taught all of us, whether it's collectively or individually. You know, prayerfully, we can we can all grow from what we've learned about ourselves, uh, maybe what we've learned about each other, uh, what we've learned about God, what we've learned about our walk with him, and maybe even what we've learned about the world that we live in and what it so desperately needs. It needs what Melissa talked about. It needs what we have as disciples. Um, hopefully, we've had some necessary and needed perspective. Um, because these times are times that we don't want to waste. We want to really figure out what is it, you know, what is it that God is trying to show me? You know, so tonight I want to speak to, you know, us renewing our vision for ourselves, uh, for God's church and how really God wants to use uh, you and me and how we can be that light, like uh, Melissa talked about to the world. You know, so what is God's vision? You know, what does he want us to see? What does he want you to see? What does he want me to see? You know, God, I really believe, has spoken through these challenging times. Um, you know, sometimes sometimes God is going to speak through a whisper. Sometimes he's spoken through something very subtle. Uh, sometimes he's going to speak through a shout. Sometimes he's going to speak through something very obvious happening. Sometimes he's going to speak from behind the scenes. Um, sometimes he speaks through disappointment and hurt and pain. And then sometimes he speaks through victories and, and miracles. And, and sometimes he speaks when we're busy. And sometimes he speaks when we are still. Um, so I think tonight's thought is, you know, what vision does God want you to see? You know, God is always trying to get our attention. He wants us to capture a vision. He wants to give us a vision. And, you know, maybe that's even, you know, why God consistently in the scriptures, you know, has used visions to speak to us, whether it was through his prophets uh, or it was through the apostles or even just through his word. When I read God's word, it's like a painted picture for me. It's a word picture in, in the parables. And I'm a visual learner. So I love how God's word speaks to us. It's a painting really by God himself, the most incredible artist. Um, it's a vision that he's trying to give us of how he would really like things to be um, for us as individuals, 
but also for us collectively and what he really wants this world to be. You know, and God has been painting that vision for a long time from the Old Testament, from the beginning of time till now. And he will continue trying to paint that um, to capture our attention for us to see what it is he really wants this world to be like. Um, you know, I, I did a study many years ago on a um, one of the prophets, Zechariah. And uh, I was actually, I found it, I was cleaning out, you know, how trying to clean out your files. I have so many papers and classes from over the years and I was trying to clean them out. And I found this study I did on Zechariah. Uh, it'd be great to go back and study it, but you know, Zechariah, the prophet from the Old Testament is actually quoted in the New Testament 40 times at least. Um, he was a prophet that had many visions from God. And God, you know, the purpose that God had for him was he wanted to give back his people a vision of the future for the Jews because they had just come out of captivity and they were not in a great place. Also, Zechariah prophesied a lot about Jesus, and that's why it's in the New Testament. Zechariah worked with Haggai to really arouse the Jews to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. It's a really great study, but I want to just touch on something really quick with that, and then we'll move on. You know, he had these kind of, if you look at it, sometimes in the Old Testament, you look at these scriptures about these visions, and uh, they can seem a little crazy, you know, and he has a, a, a series of visions. And um, <clears throat> the first one he has is about a man in the myrtle trees. And really what that vision was is that, you know, good news is coming. Then he has a vision about these four horns. And really what that vision was about is don't be afraid of your enemies. You can go back and look at this. Another vision he has about this golden lampstand, which was really a vision uh, of who he would use to lead the way. Then he has this vision of the flying scroll and if you study it out, you realize it's, he wants to carry sin away from his people. And then he has another vision about these four chariots, which was really a vision about that God is in control. And these are visions that were a long time ago, but really it's the same vision that God has for us. You know, you know his, his vision is, I have good news. You know, don't be afraid of your enemies. Um, God is, is, he's got a specific plan of how he's going to use us. He wants a victory over sin. God is in control. And really, I believe God is trying to speak the same message over and over again. And I think for us right now, it's important that we really reflect on what is God trying to show us? What's he trying to show you? What's he trying to show me? And I want to read you something from Zechariah. So if you can turn your Bible there, um, it's at the very end of the Old Testament if you're actually using a physical Bible. And um, the very end of the Old Testament, right before um, uh, Malachi. So in Zechariah chapter eight and verse 20, it says, this is what the Lord Almighty says, many peoples and the inhabitants of many cities will yet come. And the inhabitants of one city will go to another and say, let us go at once to entreat the Lord and seek the Lord Almighty. I myself am going. And many peoples and powerful nations will come to Jerusalem to seek the Lord Almighty and to entreat him. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In those days, 10 men from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, let us go with you because we have heard that God is with you. 
So what's really important about this, this statement, this vision that the Lord Almighty gives Zechariah is that at this point, you know, the Jews were in disarray. They didn't have any vision at all. You know, and he's saying in this one, look, there's going to be one Jew and they're going to, they're, they're going to take firm, 10 men from all these nations are going to take firm hold of one Jew and say, we have heard that God is with you. That was not the reputation of the Jews at that point. So God is trying to inspire Zechariah. Now that's Zechariah, the, old, the end of the Old Testament. Now look at the very end of the New Testament. And I want you to look at a, uh, a scripture in Revelations chapter seven. And we're gonna look in Revelation, Revelation seven in verse nine. Now listen to this vision that God gives, Jesus gives uh, John to really pass on to the disciples. Verse nine of chapter seven, after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne in front of the lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Skip down to verse 13. Then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they? And where do they come from? I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat up upon them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is God wanting to give John and wanting to give his people a vision that, you know what, there's going to be people coming from everywhere, and we will be all gathered, and at one point, we won't have to face the things that we face right now. And so it's so important for you and I that we constantly are looking for God. What are you, what are you saying? You know, he's not saying anything different that we go back to the scriptures to be inspired by these same visions and, and to think, you know, what is God speaking to you? And I don't know about you guys, but the only way I can really figure out a lot of times what God is trying to say to me is to make space. We have to slow down and make space to see God, to hear God, <laughs> to make space to read, to meditate, to consider, to look at nature, to see God's power, to see his glory, so that we can make the space for him to really inspire us to place that vision on our hearts, you know, and do you see clearly what God wants you to see? You know, it just, it takes slowing us down, stopping and really considering what are you trying to say to me, God? What is your vision? You know, I think it's important that we really think about, you know, what can steal our vision? What can blur our vision? What can distract us from God's vision? You know, Satan, 
I really believe this. Satan wants to pour cold water on the fire within our souls. He wants to just, you know, squash our vision. He wants to discourage us at any turn he can. So, you know, personally for myself, Satan has wanted to dampen my vision. He has wanted to throw a wet blanket on the fire I have for God. And I don't believe I'm the only one. He wants to just find ways to steal our vision, to steal uh, our view of, of what God wants to do with us. You know, for me, um, this has come through disappointments, you know, things that it's like, wow, this isn't what I hoped for, you know, um, certain hopes that I had have been dashed. Um, it's come by, you know, Satan has used allowing um, my negative thoughts to control my mind allowing my negative thoughts to control my emotions to where then it even impacts my physical health. And then my vision gets blurred and then I get distracted because my emotions get in the way. And Satan, I really believe is women in particular, he loves to use our emotions to really, you know, help us just not see God, you know, and we've got to push past that. You know, but I don't know, maybe he's not using that on you, but that's how he's working. You know, what, what cold water is he throwing on you? How is Satan working on you? Man, he's wanted, he's put me in a cold water bath at some points over the last few weeks, wanting to just really put out my fire. What is he doing to you? We need to see it. We need to talk about it with each other. We need to pray. We need to go to the Bible and help each other to keep our vision. You know, what's been helping me to renew my vision? First thing I thought about when I thought of this is, you know, I need, I have need to focus on the journey. And I want you to turn over to Psalm 84. Turn over to Psalm 84. And uh, a scripture that's really been helping me, you know. So what I've been trying to do is focus on the journey. In Psalm 84, we're going to read in verse 5. It says, blessed are those whose strength is in you. Who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. Now look down in verse 10. Better one day than a thousand elsewhere, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man or the woman who trusts in you. You know, for me, what's really helped me is focusing on the journey. You know what? I need to set my heart on the journey. Like verse five says, those who have set their hearts on pilgrimage, this walk with Jesus is a journey. It is a journey. And what's most important is how I travel the journey, because that's the only thing I have control of. I have no control of the journey. I have no control of the obstacles in the journey. I have no control what's going to happen in my journey. All I know is I have control of how I walk this journey, how I travel it. Am I going to be on this journey with all of my heart? And, you know, and I believe that that's my vision is that's what's going to glorify God. You know, being grateful that I have one day in his courts, more than important than a thousand elsewhere, that I trust in him along the way. 
You know, the second thing that I, that's been helping me renew my vision is really allowing the word to settle my heart. And that's in Psalm 119. So turn over to Psalm 119. And in Psalm 119, in verse 105, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much, preserve my life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept, O Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. So not only am I trying to just, by, you know, focus on the journey and that this is a journey and that helps me keep my vision, but allowing the, the word really to settle me. You know, in verse 109, I love that. It says, though I constantly take my life in my own hands. You know, our walk with God is a wrestling match. We give our life over to him and we surrender and then we take it back. Then we give it over to him and then we take it back. And, you know, it's this back and forth. But as long as we keep on wrestling, that's God's vision for us to never give up, to constantly go back to the word, that the word is what's going to give me joy. You know, that the word is that I'm going to hold, that my heart is set on keeping the decrees of God to the very end. I will not lose that vision. You know, and lastly, the third thing that I've been meditating on and thinking about in, in order to really renew my vision is that God's, you know, asking myself, is God's work being displayed in me? You know, is it, is, is God being seen through me no matter what I'm going through in the awesome times and then in the low times? I want you to turn over to John chapter nine. And Lamisha is really going to speak to this, but I want to share one more scripture before she, she comes on. Uh, but in John 9, we all know this story pretty well. You know, if you've been reading your Bible for a little while, if you're new tonight, I'm so grateful you're here. And maybe this will be a new story. It's one of my favorite. Uh, but in John 9, I'm just going to read a piece of it. I'm going to read John 9, 1 through 12. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth, Jesus. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Because it was, back then it was thought of that if you were blind or you had some kind of disability, that somebody must have sinned for God to have done that to you. Verse three, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And while I'm in this world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the, with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and he washed and he came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was and others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How were your eyes open, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. 
He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Well, where is this man? They asked. He said, I don't know. Now, if you read on, it's incredible. It's actually hilarious, really, because as you go on, you see that they really, they don't see what God is trying to do through this man. The parents don't see it. The religious leaders don't see it. And they completely missed the whole point of what God was trying to do. You know, Jesus, though, saw clearly. And so did the blind. The one that was actually blind saw exactly what God was trying to do. You know, and in this story, God's vision was to use this man's situation and his healing so that God's power would be displayed in his life. It's very interesting because he says, Jesus says in verse three, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. This happened. You know, so many times we're wondering why, why did this happen? And that can steal our vision. Why is this happening? And this man, you know, Jesus was able to make sense of why this happened. It happened so that God's power would be displayed in this man's life and that he would impact those around us. You know, something that's really been helping me renew my vision is keeping, and what's keeping me grounded is constantly thinking, okay, God, how, how are you going to use this? How are you going to, how is this going to display you in my life? Uh, what is your vision for me? How will you use the things, you know, no matter what's going on, is your work being displayed in my life? And women, that is the question I have for all of us. Is God's work being displayed in your life? Let's not miss the point, like the parents and the religious leaders. Why are these things happening? Why is this, this happening? What vision do you have for me, God? And, you know, Lamisha's is going to talk now about G, um, Joseph. And, you know, Joseph could have asked, oh, my goodness, why is this happening? And little did he know how God was going to use all the many things in his life to really display God's power and to renew uh, and really bring to fruition the vision that God had given Joseph. Amen. Well, thank you, Florence, for that, um, for just helping us have a clear picture about how God is speaking to us during this time. And I mean, even what his vision for us is during this time. And I just really appreciate your vulnerability and your wisdom and your, those practical examples. I definitely need to put those things into practice. So like Florence said, I'm going to talk about Joseph. It's funny when I thought of renewed vision, I immediately thought of Joseph. And he's a man who had a literal dream and a vision that God gave him. Um, but it's so funny because from the time he got the dream until it was realized, he went through so many challenges throughout his life to get there. And for me, you know, his story is a lesson for us in number one, how to handle the challenges and obstacles um, when we just don't even know how it's all going to play out. Um, and then secondly, it's also a lesson about how we need to respond as women when our dreams just get dashed, like Florence was saying, and, you know, when there's just so much uncertainty and when we've honestly kind of lost our vision along the way. So that's what I'd like to preach to you guys to, about tonight. So let's dive into Joseph's story. I feel like, you know, most of you may know it, 
But if you know it or not, amen, like there's still so many things to learn from Joseph's life. I know as I was studying out, I was like, wow, like I didn't remember that. And so things are just flying at me um, left and right. So I think um, tonight, hopefully tonight um, is a treat for you. So we're going to start in Genesis. Um, and the story of, Jace, of Joseph actually is from um, chapters 37 to 50, but we don't have time to read all of that. So we're going to take a few excerpts out, but we're going to start in Genesis chapter 37. So that's the first book of the Bible. And we're going to start from verses 3 to 11. So Genesis 37, 3 to 11. So it says, now Israel, or Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and would not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers again. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you've had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Crazy. It starts off a crazy story, right? So God gives Joseph this dream. And you can see he's so convinced of it. And so he shares it with his family. His brothers despise him even more than they did before, you know, because Joseph was kind of like the golden child in a way. Um, and his father favored him over all his sons. Um, but even his father rebukes him. <laughs> and as I'm reading this, I'm like, wow, like, I don't know if it was like too wise for Joseph to just be bragging about a dream like that. But in any case, it does not go over well. And it made me think that sometimes gives us, God gives us a dream and not everyone is always too fired up about that dream, right? You communicate it, they don't, they don't really like it. Not everyone may even think it's from God. And sometimes it can be your own family that can quench your dreams without, you even re without them even realizing it. But it's important that we don't get discouraged when people around you just don't understand or they wanna support your dream. So how do we handle ourselves when this happens? And I know for me personally, I've had so many dreams or visions for my life and it wasn't received in the way that I had imagined it. And just a disclaimer here, um, some dreams may not be from God, you know, but there's, <laughs> but that's where you need to test the spirit, right? We need to pray for clarity. We need to get wisdom and going about that dream. Um, I just wanted to give that disclaimer there first. But um, I remember when Pat and I um, had a vision of going to mission field in Spain and um, and I know I share about Spain a lot, but it's just, it's everything to me in terms of who I've become and um, was just a really life-changing part of my life's journey. So anyway, it was, it was placed heavily on our hearts, um, but we weren't quite sure like if we should. We were in a great church in Baltimore. We loved it. We were leading a singles Bible talk. And I just remember genuinely feeling like confused, like, is this really the right move for us? Um, but this was the key. 
we surrender to God's plan over our own desires. And when God gives you a dream, you need to be surrendered to the process, right? The process is very, very important. And having that heart of surrender is even more important. So we prayed, we stayed close to God. And Pat was just such a great leader. He helped me to just put my emotions aside for a second and be truly surrendered if God had said no, um, because we trusted that God knew what was best for us. And I think sometimes we can hold on to the dream so tightly that nobody can tell us what to do. But when you let it go and you give it to God, you'll see what God can do with it. And you know, Joseph was very convinced of his dream, you know, excited about it even, but he was still surrendered to the process, even though he had no idea where God would lead him mm -hmm. or when it would even happen. But either way, he kept living his life to please God with a heart of surrender. And I think for us, it's just so important for us to have that same attitude that no matter what pushback or whatever life throws at us, um, that we still have to have that Christ-like attitude. Um, so let's keep reading. Um, we're just gonna jump down to verses like 17b, so the second half of that verse to 28, and then we're gonna jump down to verses 36. So 17, 28, and then verse 36 to see what else was in store for Joseph um, and this vision that he had. So it says, so Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes this dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him, that we'll, and then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Okay, that's really no better. But so Reuben said, said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Ouch. Okay. So as they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilgad. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to, Ish to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. And so we're gonna jump down now to verse 36. And it says, meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph into Egypt, in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. So things aren't going too well for Joseph here. The vision is looking pretty dim. And I mean, his brothers despised him so much that they decided that they wanted to kill him. Kill him. Like they couldn't bear being around him to the point that they were, they were gonna deceive even their father into thinking that he was dead. Um, Talk about deep-seated jealousy, envy, you name it. Satan had filled their heart with so much hatred for their brother. So for Joseph, how do you think he felt about his dream now? <laughs> you know, how, he probably thought, how could this dream be realized when he's a slave? How in the world do you go from a slave to ruling over people, you know? And now he's even in a lower position than he even started out with. And I know sometimes life can come at us, I mean, really fast. One minute, 
Joseph is free and favored. And the next minute he's being sold by his brothers. Um, for us, like who knew what we would be going through in 2020? That came at us really, really fast. Um, funny enough, our theme for 2020 was vision. <laughs> so funny that this month is a renewed vision, right? Um, it's so funny. And yet for me, I felt like I had lost my vision um, this past year. You know, people are losing loved ones to COVID. We still are. Um, look at what's happening in India. People are still getting it. Um, I worried about my father when he got it early on. Um, my dad and my dad isn't a young guy, you know, he's almost 70. Um, he, he recovered, thank goodness, but um, he really didn't do well. You know, he lost a lot of weight. He was really weak and I couldn't help him. I couldn't take care of him. Then my sister got it as well. She recovered. Then she went back to work, um, taking, she's a nurse, was taking care of COVID patients. And then Pat's brother, who was a doctor, also had it. So on top of that, and as silly as this may sound in context, in, in comparison to what was going on in the world, you know, look, I, I dreamed and I had a vision for Jacob's first birthday party. And I know it sounds silly, but like, and it, and it never happened. Like I was looking so forward to it. And even just, you know, as a new mom, you look so forward to celebrating your first child's first birthday party with family and friends, like with all of you guys. And then it was like overnight, it was just taken. Um, and it sounds so silly, but it really, really broke my heart. And then, it, and then after that, it was just kind of like disappointment after disappointment. And I'm sure you guys can relate to that feeling. You know, what dreams for you were taken unexpectedly this year? Um, I wanna say that I'm deeply sorry and that God saw your pain. Um, he saw and felt the world's pain and yet he comforts us when we're down and we've lost our way. Um, in Isaiah chapter 30, verses 19 to 21. So Isaiah chapter 30, verses 19 to 21. It says, people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more with your own eyes, you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And Joseph, like us, could have felt as though he lost his way. But if we know the story, we know that that was actually not true. He was actually right on track. And so are we. He was closer to the dream than he was before. And sisters, if you've lost your vision, listen to God's voice as he whispers in your ear, this is the way, walk in it. Take that time, like Florence was saying, this, you know, this, the space to listen and trust God's voice as he guides you down maybe that seemingly dark path, you know, through the woods, through the valleys. Um, let those words comfort you on the journey. This is the way walk in it. And Joseph didn't give up. You know, he kept walking in God's ways. And although, although Joseph was a slave, he always honored God, stayed faithful. And because of that, God just kept showing him so much favor. It was truly unbelievable. Um, let's just make sure that we're, we're continuing to do the same and honoring God. Um, and so moving on in the story, just to summarize a bit, you know, Joseph, all right, he sold into slavery 
he's bought by this man named Potiphar, um, who's an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials. So in chapters, so we're going to read in chapter 39, verses two to four. So chapter 39, verses two to four, it says, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. And so now things are looking pretty good for Joseph, right? You know, but then things get bad again. <laughs> and I'm gonna summarize this part too, right? So Potiphar's wife tries to sleep with him. Then she claims that Joseph tried to come on to her. And so Potiphar then kicks Joseph out of their home and throws him into prison. Um, and so he's, so he's enslaved again. Um, but while he's in prison, he now finds favor with the warden. And in verses 20 to 23 of chapter 39, it says, Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. <laughs> he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all of all those held in prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in every in whatever he did. Wow. So wherever Joseph went, he prospered because God, in my opinion, right? God was always first in his life, right? And the people around him took notice. Like they couldn't, they really couldn't deny that God was with him. And remember, Joseph was in Egypt, you know, he's not necessarily around God's people here, but yet it was undeniable that he was favored, that God was with him. Someone was with him. Excuse me. And this is a great lesson for us, you know, that when we're facing adversity, do the people around you see God? You know, how do you handle yourselves? You know, do you, do people around you see your faith? Do they say, wow, God is really still with her no matter what, she's going through a lot, but God is still with her. You know, do you set an example of how to continue to trust God? Or do we get negative and bitter towards God and others around us? You know, Joseph had, could have complained and just thought, you know what, God, forget this. This is too hard. I don't know what you, the plan you got for my life is, but this ain't it. <laughs> You know, this would test anybody. I mean, like, he's probably like, here I am trying to please you, God. And, and you let Potiphar's wife kind of lie on me and put me in prison when I didn't do anything but try to please you. You know, and I think we can feel like sometimes like, we can feel that sometimes like, God, really? Like, I'm here, I'm doing everything I can to be this good Christian, you know, and this is where my life is. You know, I'm in prison. I'm at the end. I'm at this dead end job. I'm living from paycheck, paycheck to paycheck. I'm still struggling with this illness. You know, I'm not where I want to be in my life. But how can we change that perspective by looking at Joseph's life, right? His attitude was, no matter where I'm at, I will serve the Lord. No matter if I'm a slave or if I'm an honored official, doesn't matter. I'm still going to serve the Lord. And I know that I still even now have God's favor. So whatever God has you doing, 
or wherever he has placed you, give it your best effort because you're doing it for God and you're not doing it for men. You're doing it for the one who saved your life from the pit. Let's not forget that. You know, we don't want to go back there. I know I don't want to go back there. But sometimes when we become Christians, right, and things aren't working out as planned, we blame God, right? And then we lose our joy. We want to just give up. But that's when we need to pray for a renewed vision and a renewed heart. You know, the people around you don't know God and they're watching and you're a living testimony to them. You know, someone once told me that sometimes you're the closest Bible someone will read. And how we behave is just so important because we're supposed to be that light to the world, you know? So don't get discouraged, but figure out, all right, God, what's your vision for my life here? You know, where, like, like, what do I do right now? And so moving on in the story, Joseph gets even closer to his dream now. So we're, 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 he's finally almost there. And just to summarize again, you know, this is a very interesting story. So a cupbearer and a baker to the Pharaoh were thrown into jail with Joseph, right? So Joseph's still in jail. Um, these two men have a dream in jail. Joseph then interprets it, the dream for them, and the dream comes true. So they both get out of jail. The cupbearer lives, the baker dies. This is a whole nother story. <laughs> and the cupbearer just completely forgets all about Joseph. So two years pass, a whole two years. And so Pharaoh has this vivid dream though of Egypt. The Pharaoh has this vivid dream. And the cupbearer, who was in jail with Joseph two years ago, um, says, hey, you know what? I know a guy, you know, that can interpret it for you. So they send for Joseph. So Joseph interprets this dream for Pharaoh. And the dream is basically that um, the land of Egypt will be bountiful for about seven years. So abundance of crops and everything, livestock. But the next seven years, there's going to be a severe famine. So in verses 39 to 40 of chapter 41, and we're going to read that. So in chapter 41, verses 39 to 40, Pharaoh says to Joseph, so then Joseph said, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So basically Joseph is second in command. All of, I mean, he's in jail in one moment and now he's second in command to Pharaoh. Wow. And now we finally see Joseph's vision for his life starting to make a little more sense. And he's, like I said, he's second to Pharaoh. And it's so funny, just the one minute he's in prison, the next moment he's basically ruler all over the land. It just blows my mind, right? And Joseph's, brother, Joseph's brothers, you know, as you read on, come to Egypt for food. Um, Joseph recognizes his brothers. So these brothers that have thrown him into that cistern, Joseph recognizes them, um, but they don't recognize him. Um, for many reasons, 20, almost about 20 years have passed. Um, that's probably the main reason and you know that they don't recognize their brother. So then he later reveals himself to his brothers. Um, and then in the end of Genesis, um, in the end in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, which we're gonna read. So just flip over to Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. I've probably been going way too fast. But yeah, so Genesis 50 chapter 20, just one verse is just so key. So Joseph says to his brothers in verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good 
to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Wow. So in the end, Joseph dream, Joseph's dream, God's vision comes true and he does indeed end up ruling over his family. But, oh my gosh, what, it's like 13 chapters on Joseph. Like what a journey God had in store for Joseph, right? That he could not have imagined so many twists, turns, disappointments, victories, successes, failures, but Joseph saw it to the very end. And God made it very clear to him in that moment. And he says it out loud to everyone that this was all for, for good to accomplish God's plan for saving his people. God's vision is always good. And isn't this what God wants for us even now? You know, this verse scholars um, say like epitomizes all of Genesis really, um, that through all the stories in this book, it all comes down to God's vision being to save his people from this wicked, painful, sometimes unbearable world. And I know sisters, it has been hard to say the least. Um, but we are still writing the story with our lives. We are a part of God's vision right now. You're in the story right now. You're on this Zoom and God is writing your chapter. You don't even know it. You're not done yet. There's still more to come for you. And God sends Jesus. Um, and that part of the story we can read, right? In our Bibles right now, when God sends Jesus to us, you know, we see plainly God's plan to save the world was accomplished through sending his son. But now it's up to us to reclaim that vision and bring with us more souls to heaven. And that is God's vision for you. So don't let this year or the years even to come take you out of that bigger story. You know, consider not only Joseph, but Jesus, right? Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Just consider and meditate on him who endured from sinners such bitter hostility against himself. Consider it all in comparison with your trials so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So I wanna conclude here with that sisters. Um, I love you guys so much. I just wanna say that we are really in this together Let's help one another to not grow weary and lose our vision, you know. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.